Now, I'd like you to go ahead and grab your Bible, turn to, in the Old Testament, the book of Samuel, chapter 18. Now, go ahead and get there. If you have an electronic device, great. Get there, 1 Samuel, chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some under the seats in front of you. Feel free to use one of those after Ruth, after Judges and Ruth, and then uh, 1 Samuel. We have Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, ninth book of the Bible. And some of the things that I want to talk about is I'm on a David kick. How many of you know that you can talk about David till Jesus comes back? I could talk about Saul, some of the things that we're going to look at here in chapter 18. As a matter of fact, this Wednesday, that's probably what we'll do, is talk about the character and nature of some of the things Saul did and why he did them. But let's look at David. Now, let me go ahead and set the tone. Here we are in chapter 18, and what's happened is he's killed Goliath. And Saul sends for him. As a matter of fact, it says, while he was literally battling Goliath, Saul asked Abner, his right-hand guy, his commander, and says, who is that kid? Who is his father? What is his lineage? What is his background? Where did he come from? Where did he get this courage? Where did he get this tenacity? See, that's what the devil asks about you. That's why it's so important to create heritage. That's why it's important to connect your kids to not just church, but to God events. God things, God teaching, things where God is raised up. Leah called Lisa a couple of days ago and said, now Henry's 18, 19 months old, okay? And at the daycare that he's at, that she's working in the room, he's in a different class than Leah's. And they said, okay, we're going to pray now. And Henry took his hands and went and began to move his mouth and pray with the lady who was leading the prayer. That doesn't just happen. That's intentional. Let's look at this. He kills Goliath. Saul wants to know who he is. They bring David to him. And in fact, the last verse, Saul asks who he is. David walks up to him with Goliath's head in his hand. And in verse 58, the last verse of chapter 17, and Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? Isn't that powerful? David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, that's going to come in handy here in just a little bit as we continue. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 18. It came about that when they had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, that Saul's son Jonathan, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Let's go ahead and move on to verse 5. And so David went out, and wherever Saul sent him, he prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war, all of the people also in the sight of Saul's servants. They were pleased by David. And it happened, verse 6, that as they were coming in, look, let me tell you, the, the ladies came out in the streets after he killed Goliath. They were coming in and they began to say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. That's verse six and seven. Verse eight, then Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me only thousands have they ascribed. And now what more can he have but the kingdom? Now, we're not talking about Saul today. We're talking about David, but I want you to notice these things. What more could David have? Here's just young David, just killed Goliath. It's a sign of an insecure individual who really doesn't understand who and what he is in God's sight and in God's purpose. And Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. 
verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with him, but he departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and appointed him as his commander of a thousand and went out and came in before the people. David was prospering, verse 14. All his ways for the Lord was with him. And Saul saw that he was prospering greatly and he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David and he went out and came in before them. One of the things that took place was when David said, what did Saul say would he do for the one who killed Goliath? Now, he had already said, I'm going to kill that Philistine, the one that is mocking the armies of the living God. Did you notice he didn't say the one who is mocking God? He said the one who is mocking the armies of the living God. I want you to know something today, that God will send forth his angels. He will send forth people. He'll send forth strength and an army before you, even in your weakness. David was sent forth when he said, you have taunted and mocked the armies of the living God. He was there to not only take God's name and make something about it, he wanted to say the army's going to be in right place again. That's how God thinks. He thinks about each and every one of us. I want you in right standing. I want you to walk strong and with your head up in knowing that I can work within your life. That's how God sees each and every one of us. Verse 17, now Saul said, because he said one of the things was he'd give his daughter. Now listen, David wasn't looking for a daughter, and you're going to see that here in a moment, about his motivation and his agenda and his heart where it really is. That's what I really want you to see. Then Saul said to David, here is my older daughter Merib, and I will give her to you as a wife. Only be a valiant man for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, listen, I can't kill David myself. I would look bad. Everybody loves him. They'd come against me. They wouldn't understand. By the way, I'm just a jealous king anyway, insecure. Though I have power over everything and could take anyone's life at just a click of a hand, I'm insecure. That's really what he's saying. Look, my hand shall not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. But David said to Saul, who am I? And what is my life for my father's family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? See, his motivation wasn't to get a wife. His motivation was to bring honor back to Israel and the armies of Israel and even Saul himself because this is truly something that is so powerful that God is trying to tell each and every one of us. I am working in your behalf. I believe this morning that God did that. As he said, just as you are, come to me. I love you. Just as you are, come to me now with all of your junk, baggage, all of those things, bring it with you. Whatever that is, here I am. And many of you did and had breakthroughs this morning. Don't ever let the enemy rob that from you. Don't ever let the enemy steal from you what happened this morning. Mark it down. Look at the time. Put the date down and say, devil, God spoke to my heart this morning. That's how you do battle with the word of God. That's how you do battle with the prophetic that's inside of your life. That's how you beat the enemy up. You got to understand there's a real enemy out there. Goliath was a real guy not a myth. They've proven that multiple, multiple times. Even in the last five years, they found a big goblet that had on it Goliath of Goth. They excavated it out of uh, Israel. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Goliath's a real person. That's a real enemy. That's a physical manifestation of what the enemy's trying to do to us in the spiritual. Some of you are going, no, man, I got real Goliaths coming at me. Well, that's okay. Begin to do the same thing. God, we're going to take that out, either change them or move them. I've prayed that many times. And I've seen many things happen. Because if you're there with the purpose of God, God change him. 
Lord, I pray for their heart to be changed. That's, that's how we pray for those people. I believe that's how they prayed for Paul. Well, when he was Saul killing Christians, God change him or do something about it. So let's keep going. Look at this. Verse 19. So it came about at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David. He gave her to Adriel, the Maholothite, for a wife. Now let me explain something to you. That's a Gentile. Do you want to know why Saul was removed as king? Here's a good example. He takes his daughter for political purpose, wants to give her to David, but he wants to use her with David. He wants to honor his commitment, but he wants to use his own daughter for his own gain. And then when it doesn't work out and David David has more honor than the king, that he gives her away to a Gentile man, which by the way, later on when Saul broke the Gibeonite commitment that Joshua made when they came through the land and all of Saul's family died because of it, this guy died with them. You see, Saul was moving in the realm of what the world wants, not in the world of what God wants us to do. Don't fall into moving into worldly decisions and doing things the way the world does to try to accomplish your stuff. Trust God. Wait on God. Let him bring answer. It's harder to wait on God and get the right answer than to do it in your own strength. But it is the right thing to do, and the right result will come of it. Look, I'm not saying I'm perfect in that, but I have learned something. When I wait on God, get his word, it always works out the way he brings it about and brings about his good. And I'm here to tell you about it. Now look at verse 20. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. When they told Saul the thing, it was agreeable. I want you to get this whole thing because it's important with David because and then we're gonna, then we're gonna move quicker. And Saul thought, I will give her to him that she may become a snare to him. Look at this. Now that daughter didn't work. Now I'm gonna take Michael and try to use it against him that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David, for a second time you may be my son-in-law. Verse 22, Saul commanded his servants, speak to David secretly. Proverbs talks about those whispers in secret places. He says, speak to him secretly and say, behold, the king delights in you, David, and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke these words to David. But David said, Is it a trivial thing in your sight to become the king's son-in-law since I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? Again, David is going back to his heritage. He's saying, we come from poor background. It's an honorable background. I have a great dad, brothers. But in the midst of that, I want you to know we're poor. I don't have anything to offer the king but myself. But I want you to go back. And remember, when he said, whose son are you? Man, I am the son of Jesse, the servant from Bethlehem. You see, when it came time for him to be a warrior, he knew who he was. When it came time to be what God was trying to do in the king's palace, he didn't understand who he was. The comfort zone of David was his ability to battle with a sword and a slingshot. But when God was trying to move him towards the palace, he didn't understand who he was. You see, there's a conflict that's going on inside of David. Are you seeing this? In other words, when he's talking about whose son are you, that raised you up to be able to take out the giant. I am the son of Jesse. No reservation. He is your servant from Bethlehem. That's who I'm a part of. I want to give you a wife. I want to give you one of my daughters. Now, understand, Saul was doing it for wrong motive, but David kept reverting right back to, man, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I don't have anything to do it, and I'll prove it to you. Watch this. 
24, and the servants of Saul reported to Saul according to these words which David spoke. They couldn't get him to agree, you see. Look at verse 25. Saul then said, thus you shall say to David, the king does not desire any dowry, that's money or goods, except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. Now Saul planned to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. He still has an agenda. You go and you're going to battle a hundred Philistines. One of them's got to take you out. See the percentages. Do you understand what's going on here? And when the servants told David these words, it pleased David. David, if you go back to your comfort zone, pick up your sling, pick up your sword, then you can be worthy. You see, what I believe took place this morning, and I prayed about this, actually. I didn't fabricate it. I said, God, if you open that moment, I'll step into that moment, God. Was I believe that this morning that God in many ways said, you are my child. There's nothing you can do to earn my favor in your life, and neither could David though he wanted to run back to his comfort zone. You see, what happens is God wants to stretch us. He wants to take us, bring us to places that are uncomfortable in our life, and we fight back against God. It's a natural inclination. I mean, as parents, we would want to take Tommy and Leah and stretch them a little bit, and there was always some resistance. But we would go, no, 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 you don't understand. This is a good thing. I remember when some men came, some some godly men said, man, if it would be okay, I'd love to just be able to speak with Tommy Jr. At that time, I think he was 13 or 14. And those, and I said, man, you speak into his life. The more godly men that can speak into his life, I, I have things to say. I am his father, but I want other godly men speaking into his life. You see what I mean? But that would take him being stretched in mold and shape from kind of some different angles. Why? Because we don't stay in our comfort zone. David, get out of your comfort zone. David rose up. Basically, that's what he did. He went out and he killed him, right? He rose up, he struck him dead. Look at verse 28. When Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, not used him, then Saul was even more afraid. Thus Saul was David's enemy continually. And then the commanders of the Philistines went out to battle and it happened as often as they went out that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. So his name was highly esteemed. God's character was in him, but God was stretching him and bringing him to new places. But we've got to see it when God does things that we don't reject what he's trying to do. Let me tell you something. There are people right here in this room today that God is asking you to do things and you are telling God no. And it's time to stop telling God no. Because every time we say no, he gets somebody else to fill your place. And then God in his infinite grace and mercy finds something else for us to do. Let's not say no to God. Let's step out of our comfort zone. Let's willing not to go back to what's comfortable. You see, because God was taking David's talents and using it within what he was doing. See, God doesn't ever throw anything away. You think he's throwing something away. No, he's just trying to give you more gifting and talent in your life. Why do you want to be a one-dimensional believer? When God wants to give you multiple facets in your life to be able to live and touch people's lives. Don't shrink back from what God wants to do. You go, man, I'm not even getting the one thing I do pretty good. That's okay. That's up to God. Let him do it. If he brings you to do some other stuff, let him do it. So he begins to build some different things in us and then God begins to narrow that out and he begins to laser beam what he wants us to do. 
You see, what happens is he begins to laser it in. And when he does that, you grab hold of that. But I'm telling you right now, and you will never prove me wrong what I'm about ready. Never will you prove me wrong what I'm about ready to say. That when you zero in, when he laser beams you in, you will use everything that he taught you. You will use it in what you're going to do. You will never prove me wrong in that. Never. You know why? Because I've seen it too many times. He does things for reasons. He doesn't waste his breath. He doesn't waste his energy. And he doesn't waste you. He has incredible things for you to do. I want to show you something about David. That this mindset of that, he's just a little poor boy from the other side of the tracks that'll never be king. He views himself that way. I'm a warrior. I can kill giants. But I have trouble with seeing where God is trying to bring me. Let me prove it to you. Is that okay? I'm going to put some other verses. Go ahead and write these down. Look at 2 Samuel 5.12. David's already been king for a while. Look at this. He's already been king for years. Look at this. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. What is wrong with that? There's something good about it. He finally realized it. But what's wrong with it? He never saw himself as king. He always saw himself as the warrior. He was king because he was a warrior. Not because God said, I see your character and your nature and your desire. That's why I'm bringing you up. See, God is trying to encourage you and say, I see things in you that you'll never see about you until you finally get your eyes opened. I see things now. I'll never forget. I listened to a man preach this. Lisa, help me, baby. This guy was preaching and he said, you know what I, I, I really think what Jesus does? When we look at people, look through them and see Jesus on the other side, how Jesus wants to see them. What he sees in them, what he sees, the ability in their life, the opportunity, what he wants to accomplish in their life. So when you look at them, you may be seeing certain things, maybe from their clothes or their hair or their background or whatever it is, but look through them and say, Jesus, what do you see? I began to do that. I began to literally do that. And I'm telling you, it will change the way that you look at how God does things and how God sees things. All right, th thank you, baby. All right, put your, put your hands together, Felisa. Listen to this. I want you to understand something. This word realized means he came to the knowledge of. He came to the knowledge of understanding there was something that took place on the inside. He began to know that he was the king. It wasn't just a sign on a wall. Let me tell you something. There are days when I'm like, we're knocking the devil out all over the place. And then there are other days you just go, God, how could you even, how could you even tolerate me? Let me tell you what's a bad day. is when you say those things and, and you feel like you're falling apart and you're in your comfort zone. That's a bad day. Because you see, your comfort zone is supposed to let you go, I am somebody. God is saying, no, 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 it doesn't change. You're still Tommy. And you see, as he looks at himself, it says, he realized that the Lord had established him. That word established means to be exalted. Now listen, that word exalted, that's a Hebrew word. That's the meaning. Now think about that. David's having trouble even seeing himself as a king. And God is saying, I'm trying to exalt you. That's not what David was doing to himself. That's what God was doing. You see, when we get in trouble is when we exalt ourselves. But when God exalts you and raises you up, Jesus grew in stature and favor with God and with man. Who did that? God did that. That's what God did in Jesus' life here on earth as he grew. It didn't say, and Jesus did everything he could to grow in stature and favor with, with God and with, you know. 
No, God established him so that he could move forward as he was obedient. Then we see that he was established as king over Israel. I I want you to know something today. You could be the best at what you do. You could be great at what you do. It really doesn't matter. He exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. Why did he do that in David? Ultimately, because he loved him. But look at this. He established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom, small h, David's kingdom. He exalted David's kingdom for the sake of capital H, his God's people. God is saying, I want to establish you. I want to give you promotions my way, my time. There have been, what, there have been times when people have said, man, I got a promotion. And man, in, inside my insides go crazy. And then they go, but, but I won't be here anymore on Sundays. I'll only be here every two months. And I'm only, you see, the very God who gives you talents and giftings, the enemy will suck you away and rob you from the very fellowship. I'm not talking about moving to a need in in a job. I'm talking about taking something that's not necessary just for the sake of promotion. I'm here to tell you not every promotion is from God. You need to understand that when promotion is of the Lord, the first thing, and look, I I know I'm talking about myself, but if you know me, I'm, I'm trying to tell you how God speaks. I don't know, you know, I'm not you. I'm not you. I'm not you. I'm me. So I'm telling you me. The first thing I would say is, God, how is that going to expand your kingdom? Man, but if I get more money, I may be away, but I'll be able to send my kids to a Christian school. I might even be able to give more to the church. I'd rather have you than your money. Because when I have you, when God has you, then he has everything, who you are. Then you serve out of no agenda other than just who you are in God. See, this isn't about money. This is about giving of ourselves. God wants us. And it says, exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people. It literally means for the sake, that word sake means with the intent to bring the flock through. That's the Hebrew word. That is the meaning. Think about this. I did that in David that I might bring my people. Here's David saying, the armies of Israel will will not be mocked. The God of Israel will not be mocked. David said, I'm doing it for that reason. God says, that's okay. That's why I'm, ex- I'm exalting you. That's why I'm promoting you. That's why I'm affirming you. That's why I'm appointing you, David, because you have the heart of a warrior, but you have the heart of a heavenly king. And in doing that, I'm going to promote you. Why? For my people that you might bring them through. Do you know that the Bible says for 40 years, there was peace in Israel? 40 years. Because David got an understanding. Wow. I'm not just a warrior. I'm a king. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to think not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. (laughs) That's a different verse, right? I just told you to think how God wants you to think of yourself. But what God is saying is, but don't think more highly of yourself. It doesn't say don't think highly of yourself. It says more highly. In other words, put it in proper perspective. You are the child of the king. That is absolutely true. You have the ability to go out and take down giants, but you also have the ability with a gentle hand, just like Jesus, to raise up the the most littlest of child and touch their life. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each measure of faith. You see, when you understand that you're working in the faith that God has given you, the judging and the comparisons fall by the wayside. Let me tell you something. This verse 
I'm preaching to me more than anybody in this building. Do you understand what I'm saying? God says, don't think more highly of yourself, but the measure of faith, that's what I want you to go out and do for me. David, I've appointed you. I've exalted you. I've promoted you. Now go out and do what I've asked you to do. And David realized, I am the king of Israel. I think it went from, what? Wait, 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 I'm, I'm really the king. Can you, can you imagine that? Waking up one day and going, after he's been the king for a couple of years, I'm, I'm the king. Can you imagine the guys out at his door? Uh, yeah, that's why we stand out here, <laughs> oh king. Because <laughs> we're protecting you. But I think at that point, he began to go, I am the king. Dude, I am the king. God has done it. I don't have to do it the way Saul did it. I can do it the way God wants me to do it. You know, we're looking at a transition here in the church. Y'all all know that. That's coming up. Let me tell you, one day, the person standing behind this pulpit the next is going to wake up one day and go, whoa, it stops with me. <laughs> I'll never forget a Rob Blakeney, who was the um, secretary treasurer for the Assemblies of God for the whole state of Louisiana. I mean, it was about five years in, and we were sitting down having breakfast in Alexandria, and he looked at me and he said, we were just chatting just about things, and he looked at me and he said, Tommy, he said, God must think special things about you to put you in that place in the church. And I, and I have to tell you that it embarrassed me. But then all of a sudden, I remember, see, I remember I sat there and I went, God, is that possible? See, as God looks at each and every one of you, the business he told you to start, the business he has you run, the one he's asked you to invest in, the one he's asked you to partner with, the people that you support, whatever the case may be, God, you chose me to do it. I know that's a weird conversation, but yet we've got to have it. God, you really did. You see, it, it changes everything. It changed everything for David. Let me show you something real quick. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you, peace for him who is, who was, and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us. Look at your neighbor and say, he loves us. And realized and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom. Come on, look at your neighbor and go, we're a kingdom. Made, past tense. He's made us to be a kingdom. And priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Come on, let's do it again. See that crown? Revelation 5. And I saw before the throne the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if the slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. That's Jesus, by the way, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Remember that guy? That's this lamb. The lamb, each one holding a harp, golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. God hears us. They sang a new song. What is that song? Worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals. Now, I have to say, David, I wish I'd have been there. I've never heard a song with these lyrics. I don't know how you would do that. Worthy are you to take the book and break the seals. You know, I don't know. (laughs) 
Or like most of the world thinks because, you know, angels just play harps all day, right? That's what it says. And worthy. <laughs> Thanks for saving me, Dad. <laughs> Look at this. Here's why he could break the seals. Because you were slain. And purchased for God with your blood mankind from every tribe. Let me tell you something. When the uh, interpretation was come forward and the Ivory Coast, I believe, was represented in that, I was like, Lord, we have nations represented in the church and have always have. Yeah. I thought of this verse. Man, y'all preached my message before I ever preached it. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Look at this. And you have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. You have made them into a kingdom. You see, the reason we have the ability to be priests is because what do priests do? They represent who God is. They come before the throne in behalf of others. What, what do we get to do? We come before the throne. We have the ability to come to the Lord in behalf of ourselves and others, our families and lost loved ones or people that are doing well. And we have every aspect to bring to the Lord. Why is that? Because we are a priest to our God.